Welcome back to New to Medical Device Sales. I am your host, Jacob McLaughlin, and we have an exciting guest on today. We have a friend that is also from Iowa originally who left the good old cold to come out and be in the sunshine out here in Arizona. Before we have him on, if you guys are watching on YouTube, please press that like and subscribe. If you're watching on the podcast, five-star review always helps us push this. And then I want to thank everybody who has gone out and bought the ebook already. I've got a lot of great feedback and just appreciate you guys taking the time to read it, uh, to send it to me. Again, if you guys don't know about my ebook, I wrote an ebook. It's on my website. The link is in the uh, description of just how I broke in. Uh, It has exact messages, my business plan, everything that I did uh, to get into the industry. And I had a lot of requests to make a product. And so I did for you guys. And hopefully it's as helpful as it can be. But getting into it, Today, we are honored to have Jeff Wirtz on the podcast. Jeff was a former trauma rep for Stryker and is now the Vice President of Business Development for Sergio Health. So Jeff, thanks for jumping on today. Yeah, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, man. So glad to have you. Like I said, everyone, as you can see, also, I just want to point out much better facial hair than me. He's got the the mustache rocking. One day when I can get it to there, I will do that, but he's doing great right now. (laughs) Not everybody's as blessed with the hair follicles on the face like I am. (laughs) It's the truth. It's the truth. Well, Jeff, want to just go into it. I was just like jumping right into it. So um, now that you're the vice president, we'll we'll uh, touch on that a little later in the show, but want to kind of just go in, what were you doing before you broke into medical device sales? And then what made you choose medical device sales? Yeah, I, I got into it in 2011. Um, I had heard about it when I was in college at Iowa and just uh, through a couple different connections had some, some interest in it and it sounded like an interesting space to be in, not a traditional nine to five job and um, something, you know, you know, just honestly kind of looks like a, like a sexy industry to be in and be a part of. Mm-hmm. Um, and so in college, I actually kind of proactively try to take some courses along that line uh, of thought. We had an entrepreneur program at Iowa and I got involved with that with uh, one of my buddies that we just kind of worked with the startup and just did kind of some cold calling and market development stuff um, just to try to get a foot in mm-hmm. and see what we could do. And, um, and then I actually just took a job that was right after the 2008 when the economy wasn't doing so hot. So I, I took the, my first job I was offered in, in Dubuque, Iowa, where I'm from. And, uh, and it was a, a great opportunity and too good of an opportunity for me to turn down and just try to do something, you know, on a whim, mm-hmm. uh, which, I, which is what I thought getting out of college that it's time to, time to figure that stuff out. And then about like a 10 or 11 months into that, I was like, this is not going to be for me just sitting behind the desk doing, doing something that I'm not really sure of. And uh, I had a buddy that went to Chicago and he was from around there and he made some connections in the industry um, and was working with a distributorship that was doing orthopedic uh, like shoulders, foot and ankle products. Mm-hmm. And I uh, talked with him to see, you know, what opportunities there might be. And there was, uh, you know, an associate role available. So I interviewed for it and, and then it was going to be a, you know, I was going to take a decrease in pay. There's not any benefits. There's, um, it's a leap of faith. And yep. so I took that opportunity and uh, moved to Chicago and then just grinded it out with the distributorship for a while. I love it. I love it. And, and when you say grinded it out, because I always like to touch on that, because when I say that, 
a lot of the new listeners who have never been in, they don't know what that means. Can you kind of give us like when you're first starting out, you're in that distributorship, you're as the associate sales rep, can you kind of touch on, you know, what your day looked like when you were doing that? Yeah. Um, you, I, and I, I think this is in the more I've thought about it and I've had a lot of these conversations, I had conversations with you when you're first getting into it, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of people, I think it's very equivalent to a lot of jobs. I think, uh, you know, when you get out of school, you think you have this anticipation that you're going to be able to go in and you're going to have like, you know, some important meetings and all sorts of stuff, but pretty much in anything and very much in medical devices, you're, you need to find yourself uh, busy, you know, find opportunities to be in procedures, all sorts of different things. So, I mean, you're the grunt, whatever needs to be moved from one hospital to another, you need to run to one of the reps houses to pick up a tray that they left at the house or an implant that they forgot in the other car, you are the gopher of whoever needs what, when it's needed and uh, as quickly as possible and at a moment's notice. So yep. you're, you're, the expectations that you're on call and you're getting everything done. And then when you're not doing those things, you're going and viewing surgeries and, and learning the product and, and figuring it out. Yep. I love that. I love that. And then, so you were there and then you were able to eventually get with Stryker, who is one of the top orthopedic companies in the world. And so, and that, that was as a trauma rep, correct? Yeah. Yeah. So I did uh, foot and ankle for a while uh, early on. I mean, and, and this is, I think it's probably pretty standard for a lot of distributors. You know, they, they're very successful uh, salespeople and business people uh, in general. Mm-hmm. And what they're looking for are people that are, that are kind of go-getters that want to be out there doing it. So a lot of times they'll just put out, you know, if you want to come in start figuring it out and provide value to my business, you know, maybe we can find a role for you. And that's how they, the, the guys did it at my first one. And I, I uh, definitely appreciate their strategy for that yeah. because it made me better overall. And then once I started getting traction, they saw that I was, you know, able to make, you know, good relationships with the hospitals, with the surgeons. They're like, they, they, you know, they, they tried their best to keep me on. But what I was looking for, I, I had an opportunity with Stryker, as you mentioned, um, and I saw that as an opportunity to get a little bit more structure when it comes to, uh, to the fundamentals. So yep. like I went into it and I didn't know anything. I was a marketing major from Iowa and I, I focused on school to get through school so I could have a job. So yeah. that was a little hoop to jump through, but you need to get to another level when it comes to being in the OR and figuring out what's going on, as opposed to just running through a bunch of videos and trying to read through stuff. Um, there's a lot more structure that I was able to get uh, by going to Stryker. Uh, I could have probably stayed with the distributorship and, and maybe made made more money for for short term, but I think all of it in the long term is probably gonna hopefully gonna be in the right place. Yeah, I love that. I love that. And so since we haven't had anybody that's been in that trauma space, you know, trauma is a whole another another beast. And can you kind of just talk to the lifestyle of a trauma rep? Yeah, I. I think, uh, I mean, when you're in orthopedics in general, I don't think it's too far off from a lot of them. I mean, everybody's, you know, on call on the weekends or, mm-hmm. or, uh, during the week and at night, but you know, when it comes to trauma, you do have the, the gunshots and, and all sorts of, of crazy stuff or act car accidents, things like that. Um, so it's more, so it's a little bit more, um, a little bit higher volatility, I guess, with it. Um, so we had call schedules. I, I started in Chicago, so I, you know, that's kind of a benefit because I got to see some really crazy stuff. 
early on and with a lot of really fantastic, you know, renowned surgeons um, doing this stuff. So, but you have a, a call schedule and you're working as a team. And so like that aspect of it is right up my alley coming from sports. Um, you have to trust everyone and in, in having the call schedule and making sure that everybody's um, kind of having each other's back so that you can have some time with your family mm-hmm. uh, and especially as an associate. So that that's, uh, you know, when, when, when we're talking with or when we'd be interviewing new, um, new hires, I mean, it's a, it's a, a sexy industry to get into is the way that's always kind of described. You always have people trying to get into it. Um, but ultimately you, know, when you start out in that, especially in trauma, like you're, you're giving up a significant portion of, of your time and lifestyle. Like yeah. that is your lifestyle. We like Emily knew it right from the get go. I'm on call. I'm going to get a call and I have to leave. doesn't matter where we're at. These are the things, this is how it works because I have to get everything there. I have to make sure that everything's facilitated. You know, they can do the surgery without me, but there are things that has to be in place to make that a long-term business with that, with that opportunity. So um, that, that always came first and that was how, how we kind of broke into it and, and how we became successful up there. And, uh, and then it was the same thing when it came down to, to Arizona. So, I mean, you're, you're just working as a team, making sure that, um, that you're doing, you're communicating as effectively as possible with each other and, and covering everything that you can. Yeah. And I love that. And I, and I just wanted to touch on that just because, you know, I've had a lot of people reach out to me and like you said, trauma looks sexy and, and they hear about the numbers you can make and all that good stuff. Um, but then they think it's a 40 hour work week. Uh, and it, and yeah. it's not that. Yeah. And, and I'd say not specific to trauma, even I think it's oh, yeah. devices in general, like it's, uh, I mean, uh, I guess I wasn't lucky enough to, to fall into one of those roles that I know that there are some of those out there, but even those ones, I would say that that, that person probably grinded out um, some really rough years of, of doing some, some crap hours. So, you know, none of these things, I'd say in general, it's the 80, 20 principle. I'm sure there's 20% of people that did land a cush job, but ultimately you can't go into it with that mentality that you're going to be able to do that because it's, it's not reality. I love that. Yeah, you, you can't. And I just say that because that's a lot of the messages that I get. People want to yeah. know, hey, is it 40, 50 hours? Because they hear them, they pay the paycheck. And they're like, I, oh, I'd say if you're worrying about hours, it's not going to be a good industry for you. Yep, 100%. And, and then the thing I loved you said is like just talking to your wife, you know, saying, hey, this is coming first. I've talked to other trauma reps where it's like, hey, it's Saturday night. You guys are going out on date night, but you have to drive two cars because you don't yep. know when you're getting a call. Yep. 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 Or, you know, you're probably just going to have to Uber home. Thankfully now it's a lot easier back, <laughs> yeah. in, back in the day. Yeah. I mean, Emily came up to visit the first time that we were, was we were dating long distance. She came up to visit for like four days over Christmas break and I was on call and I'm like, I don't know how bad it's going to be. And I got slammed. I saw her for like two hours while she was back. So wow. like it was, it was like all day, all night where you're having to go, you're going in and then I'd run back for a couple hour nap and then there'd be three more cases all throughout the, the Chicago area. So that's how it ends up working. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Just love getting more insight on it. Um, so talked about like how you broke in and you did that. I would love to hear, you know, advice to, you know, we get a lot of people that reach out wanting to know how to break in, how to separate yourself. And I'd love to hear as your journey went in, how you kind of separated yourself and any advice you'd give to other people trying to break in. Um, I mean, yeah, I think there's, there's a point where you can kind of get into analysis paralysis of it. Um, 
of, of just trying to ask the, there's not really a, a ton of shortcuts. I mean, you reach out to how many hundreds of people um, trying to get into it. I don't know exactly what all your messaging was. We had a relationship beforehand, so it was natural for us to discuss it. Yep. Say like trying to cold call or reach out about it. It's going to be just like any other sales thing. And if you're just talking about how can I help, how, if you're reaching out to me, just asking for how I can, how you, what advice I can give you to help it, help you get into it. It's not going to be uh, very effective. Yeah, You're just coming but, in as a take. Just right. Take it. Exactly. So it's more so you, you gotta, you have to frame your question or conversation around, you know, I saw you did this in your past. How did you do this or that? Lena? You know, I'm interested in this. I think this is how we could connect. You, you have to do some of that research to make it to actually show that you cared enough to put that effort in. Otherwise, why am I going to take the time out of, out of my day to, to give you a call and give you an answer that there's, I know that there's books. I know you've done, you've done your own book. You're doing podcasts. A lot of people and, and all my friends that are in the industry as well that, that are still in it, they get the same questions. I mean, the, the question's been answered. You have to go out and you have to network and talk with people, um, try to use, use that network as much as possible and, and then actually follow through on things on, on, you want to have a meeting. Well, you're going to have to do it at their time and it's going to probably be inconvenient and you have to be willing to, to deal with those things. Cause it's not going to get better if you actually do get an opportunity to get hired with it. So it's, it's, I'd say, you know, how can you add value to the person? Um, you know, do you actually have a connection um, speak to those types of things of, of here's what I've already done. Um, this is, you know, how would you do this differently? You know, just any of those things, if you can ask a, a very small ask of that and say, you know, does this make sense or not? And, and just get that engagement. That should just be your first goal. Yeah. Um, and then actually have questions that haven't been answered a million times. <laughs> yes. I love that. And that's, and that's one thing we talk about on here. You know, that was always, I would go in and try to make that relationship right away. For me, it's easy. I did strength and conditioning. You know, if they went to school I was at, I would say, you know, hey, I have a buddy that's at this or whatever it is. But like you said, one of the best messages I would get response from was like, hey, I saw you were in the field for 11 years. I'd love your expert advice. Um, because like yeah. we always say, right. people want to talk about themselves. Yeah. Uh, so it's, yeah. a, it's a way to come and come and learn. So I love that you just really hit on that. And so now that you've, uh, you did it, uh, how long were you in medical device sales as a rep? Five years, five and a half years. Five and so a half I started years. Started out with a distributorship, and then I was there for, I think, it just right around a year. Mm -hmm. um, and then, and that's when I went on the striker, and I was a striker for five years. Okay, and then from there, what made you want to look at transitioning out of that? Yeah, um, when I came down to Arizona, we had just converted uh, some a lot of business with with a couple of large facilities here and I was you know I moved down to be with my wife my now wife um, and I was just I I'd, I'd already been in for two and a half years or three three and a half years at that point mm -hmm. and so I was already kind of getting worn down with it I mean in trauma there's I think there's kind of like about a five-year kind of wall that people like you're pretty, you, you become a veteran pretty quick in trauma. Yeah. After that amount of time, I know that there's a ton of guys that have gone way longer that are going to like scoff at this if they ever heard it of like, that's nothing. But there's a pretty high turnover rate, uh, attrition rate in this. Um, yeah. But if you get that five years in, you, you kind of figured out your lifestyle and, and moving forward. And I was kind of at that mark where I was like, I, I, I don't want to do this for forever. And mm -hmm. I, I always have this 
this, this kind of experience that I can always fall back to yep. uh, worst case scenario. And, you know, go after talking through it with Emily and, and wanting to take an opportunity to work with uh, startups and, and get into not, not necessarily startups, but I was interested in getting into the, the software side of things. Yeah. So having been in and seeing a lot of the challenges that I was facing that uh, on the industry side and seeing how challenging it is in the hospitals and then knowing just, you know, how things were, were evolving in other businesses for the most part of, of with software. I'm like, there has to be some better solutions here. And, uh, and so I took a, a leap of faith and opportunity with a software company that was still in, uh, in healthcare. So mm -hmm. it was like, you know, this is a good blend that can utilize my experience in this. We were doing patient reported outcomes software um, that collected it for the surgeons. So I, you know, I knew how to, how to communicate with surgeons and knew what they were looking for. And it was still in orthopedics. Yep. Um, so that was a, a great opportunity, great jumping off point for me to go in. And, and I learned so much more about how even further behind I was when it came to like, uh, CRM systems in general, like we didn't use Salesforce or anything like that, Yep. but I was able to kind of learn some of that and realize how much more intelligent you can be by, by documenting a lot of this, the sales process, sales engineering, um, and just read a lot more on all that stuff when it comes to how you can, how you can maximize your relationships, improve, improve all of your relationships that you're working with, uh, and, and do this more intelligently. And then another opportunity came along uh, where, where now with what I'm doing with, with Sergio Health at this point is like a, a perfect blend of, of that kind of software side of things and, and the experience that I had uh, in, in kind of building out some of those CRM systems. And then uh, the Sergio Health system originally designed as, uh, as kind of more logistics for mm -hmm for the industry side where, and when I came in and first saw it, I was like, that's, you know, that's absolutely needed. I know how big of a challenge it was for us at Stryker uh, and actually our, who was my VP of, of operations at Stryker was already in with this company. So randomly ran into him here. Um, and he was doing a little bit of other work with it, but I was like, if you get the end users being the, the reps in the field, uh, a tool that's going to be valuable for them on the day-to-day -day basis, that's where you need to get the data from. Mm -hmm. And you know, the, everything's kind of evolved. It's a longer story, but um, we've, we've evolved into the hospital setting uh, sooner than we thought we would be able to. Uh, but it's been a really amazing experience to be able to build it out. Now we have pretty much a complete end-to-end -end, uh, communication system for the hospitals to better understand what the reps all need. And then also uh, facilitating all the surgical logistics uh, that go through sterile processing up yep. into the OR. So it's kind of evolved, thankfully, kind of, you know, luckily, um, but uh, it's uh, been a good experience so far. I love it. I love it. And can you actually just do, since you're working with it a lot, can you kind of just touch on sterile processing and what it is? Because we've talked about it on the show, but there's a lot of people yeah. who don't know what that is. Yeah. So, and it's, it's a big part of like, yeah, it's a good point to bring it up because it's going to be where you're going to live if you're an associate for the most part yep. in orthopedics. Um, sterile processing is a department that every single instrument tray that, that goes into those procedures has to go through and it's the cleaning process. So you have to take the tray, they take it through a decontamination where they essentially wash it all off, clean it off, toothbrush, pipe cleaners. Uh, they put it through a washer and then it goes through, they assemble it, and then they uh, 
do another final inspection and then they put it into basically an oven that cooks it and, and then really uh, takes all of the contaminants off of uh, the instrumentation and it's wrapped, it's uh, in a wrap at that point. And then once they're done with that, uh, then it has to cool and then you can use it in the LR. Yeah. That entire thing is typically about a three to four hour process and you have to do it after every single procedure and every single item that's supposed to go into the LR is supposed to be completely clean and, and, and good to be used on a patient. So, um, that was that. And then that's also the area that you're spending all the time cleaning up all your sets. So, I mean, in, uh, in what I was doing, you'd sometimes we didn't have, we didn't do revision surgeries as much. We would do some extraction, but I know like revision surgeries, they could have up to 50 trays is not, not uncommon to have. Uh, and then that means you have 50 trays that you got to go down and deal with in sterile processing afterwards. So the OR is a, a very small portion of the amount of time that, that, that orthopedic reps are spending in, in the OR yeah. uh, in comparison. The rest of it is typically around the, around the sides of it of you're, you're dealing with billing stuff or you're running down into SPD to, to reset your trays. You're running to the FedEx location to, to pick up re, replenishments, go back to the hospital, replace those in the trays if you have that. And, and uh, yeah, so that's where it's the other half of your life. Yeah. And I appreciate you going into detail, man, just because like you said, sterile processing is such a big part of it. And, you know, if you're being brand new, like myself, I had never heard of it. I go down to the, like a basement or whatever it is you yeah. find out. And you also learn though, how big of a part they play in your life, because if they don't do their job correctly and something gets sent up to surgery and it's not sterilized, mm -hmm. you can't get the surgery. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. that's, it's huge. And then also yeah. when you go pick it up, if it's not in there, now it's a, a, a game to go find out where, where yeah. it went. Yep. And it's, uh, it, it's, it's pretty crazy. Everything rides on it. And they're oftentimes uh, an overlooked department. Mm -hmm. uh, they're one of the lowest paid departments. So, you know, you're the people there, it's amazing how most of them are, are really great to work with. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, they're not making a ton of money and you have that weird dynamic where you're the device rep and they think every device rep's making hundreds of thousands of dollars. And it's not the case Yep. in, in a lot of cases, in a lot of instances. Um, but there, uh, I, I think that's kind of one of the things too, you know, people breaking into it, like once you've broken into it, doesn't mean anything because then you actually have to build relationships at all those facilities. Like if you get into it, you can quickly get out of it. If you're a jerk, if you're an no, asshole, everyone's going to quickly get to that. And, and I know I experienced it. I've heard stories now that I'm on kind of the kind of the in-between side here of uh, seeing the hospital and working with the vendors between it all. But like some of these guys are just jerks to them. Yeah. And it's, that was always one of the things I appreciated, like from the, the groups that I worked with early on, they were all very on point with you're nice to every single person that you walk into in the hospital, because we had, we've had experiences where I, I became friendly with the janitor and he knew the surgeon that would walk through and he saw me talking to him and realized that like, all right, I can have a conversation with the guy. You, you never know who's watching you and, uh, and who's got the different connections. And, and if you're looking at it from that perspective, it's, it's going to be tough. So you got to be nice to everyone throughout the whole, the whole thing. And that's in general in any business too. Like, yeah. And just like, be nice. Yeah, I, I was going to just say, thank you so much for bringing that up. Cause that's a huge point. Like, cause you said, like you said, you can go in and you can just see these people just be nasty. And, and my always thought is like, what's the point? It's not good. I always am like, I can help. You're going to catch more stuff with sugar than you are, you know, with vinegar. 
And yes. so, yeah, that's it. But also you're giving them, you're literally handing them the tray that you need in the surgery to make money and you're going to yell at them. And like, what are the chances that they mess with it? No, exactly. It comes back to, if you're rude Very to the person cooking your burger, you might get some right. spit in your burger. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I love it, man. Well, Jeff, I appreciate you just taking time out of your day to come in and, and also talk about how you broke into the industry, your time in the industry. And also it's cool to see you. You're not directly as a rep in the industry, but you're still within the medical device industry doing with Sergio health. So again, yeah. thank you so much for taking time to jump on here today. And we really appreciate all your insight. Yeah, you bet. Appreciate it. Congratulations to yourself too. This is uh, cool. I appreciate you doing this for people. Well, awesome. thank you, man. Yeah, just trying to help any way I can and just get one person in if they're, if they're willing to put in the work. That's right. Cool, awesome, man. man. Well, I appreciate you. And guys, if you're watching, again, please press, press that like and subscribe button. If you guys are listening to the podcast, please five-star reviews. Again, helps us grow this. Again, the goal is just to reach as many people and help as many people as we can. So appreciate you all, and I'll see you on the next one. Peace.